Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series on the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to his favorite church. Yes, pastors do have favorite churches, and Pastor Paul absolutely loved the believers at Philippi. In most letters, Paul offered lots of course correction. At Philippi, he offered none. Instead, he spoke to them with great affection about their impact and maturity in Christ. No other book in the Bible has more memorable and life-changing verses than Philippians. In this series, Dr. Benji Kelly leads his favorite church through memorizing these power-packed verses and maturing in Christ. Welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, New Hope Church. Amen? And welcome to all of our campuses. We had a phenomenal week here at New Hope Church and actually at all of our campuses. Check it out. We had the largest Abundant Life membership class we've ever had in the history of New Hope Church. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. And uh, we always take pictures of the Abundant Life classes, so I'm going to welcome the campuses. And as we do, we're going to show a picture of their Abundant Life class, and we're going to celebrate all of the, the members at the campuses. Are you with me? All right. They're going to celebrate there as well. I want to welcome the first campus. I'm actually going to be with them this Wednesday. I, oh, i got to tell you something. I just got this. Somebody just handed me something. I, I guess it was... I guess it was from Pastor Appreciation Month. They handed me Bon Jovi tickets. Now, for some of you, you wouldn't care about receiving that. But I'm an old rocker. And li- living on a prayer, baby. Come on now. I love me some Bon Jovi. I've seen them like twice. And I was so excited, and I opened the book, I'm like, yes, score! And then I looked at the date, and it's Wednesday, November 6th, which is this Wednesday, when I am going to be in Columbia, South Carolina, with our brand new Columbia campus. And I want to look in that camera and say, I love you so much, and I'm so excited about being with you that I can gladly put that in my back pocket, give it to someone else, because I would much rather be with you on Wednesday night to cast vision and Q&A and all of that stuff. So I don't know if I'd always said that. I think God's slowly changing this old boy. But anyway, welcome Columbia and their new members. Check it out. Look at this picture. This is an awesome class for a brand new membership class. Wow. That is their very first Abundant Life membership class. We didn't have that many 12 years ago when we had our first membership class. North Raleigh had a great turnout as well. Give it up for North Raleigh, all of our campuses. Look at there. Yes. Oh, we don't have a picture for this because they won't let me go in there and do membership. But if they can work it out, I will go. Uh, We want to welcome the Daughters of the King at NCCIW. Amen. Daughters of the King. Garner, New Hope Garner had an Abundant Life membership class Monday night. Give it up for those folks. (laughs) Look at the guy on your right with the white shirt. I'm just saying, when I saw the picture, I'm like, that's a a good New Hoper right there. (laughs) Got to be a little crazy. Got to be a little crazy to be up in New Hope Church. Amen? 
<laughs> the guests are going, how can I get out of here? <laughs> we're just kidding. We're just kidding. You hope Sanford, give it up for the new members there. Absolutely. Coffee House, keep it going. All of our campuses celebrate the Coffee House. Coffee House, internet community, we want to welcome those of you on the internet, television crowd, and last but surely not least, we want to welcome the Abundant Life membership class from Central Campus Monday night. Give it up for these folks. If you add all that up, we've never had five membership classes in one night. We had five membership classes. We had somewhere around 180 uh, people, largest membership class ever in the history of our church. Last group I want to welcome, and then we are off and running. I want to look into the camera and give a warm, 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 warm welcome to about 105, 105 pastors and leaders from all, all over the United States of America. They're actually meeting me at the Columbia campus on Thursday. I'm with the campus uh, on Wednesday night. These uh, pastors and leaders from around the country are doing a bus tour, and they're studying different churches, and they picked new one of our satellites. They wanted to be at one of our satellites, so I'm driving to meet them there on Thursday morning. It is called the Summit Tour. So I want to look into the camera. And then from all of us at New Hope Church, from all of us at New Hope Church, we want to give a warm welcome to the Summit Tour that I'm going to be with Thursday morning. Can you give it up for them? Welcome. 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 We spread wide our arms and in the name of Christ welcome you to New Hope Church. We are in the middle of a Philippian series. Go ahead and open the word that you brought to the Philippian series. If you go old school, open your Bible, right? If you do the electronic deal, cut your tablet on or your, your iPhone or your Android. And let's go get this today. I think it might be good since we're in week four to kind of give you a little review of the series. So let's just talk about this. Paul, we, we talked in the very first week. I kind of set the context for some very important things for you to know about uh, the Apostle Paul. If you missed it, I encourage you to write these things down in your Bible. Paul was primarily a missionary and a church planter. A, a missionary church planter is what he was. Uh, he would go into cities, big cities, small cities. He'd go into cities like if he was here today, like Garner, like Samford, right? He'd go into bigger cities like Central North Carolina or Columbia, South Carolina. And he would start these churches. By the way, side note, side note, side note, since I'm speaking to this group on Thursday. I am convinced that if the Apostle Paul lived today, he would be a huge fan of the multi-site model. Have you ever stopped to think about this? Paul had to write these letters often painstakingly often in jail. Then he would have to either go to these churches, shipwrecked, read the Bible, you'll see this stuff, snake-bitten, beaten when he would go into these cities. I mean, it was hard being the Apostle Paul. Don't you think if he lived today, he'd say, hey, I got an idea, just, just, just push play. <laughs> Instead of me writing this letter and trying to send it all the way across you know, the Mediterranean Sea, I got an idea, just tell him at 10 o'clock we're going to stream this puppy live. Paul would have loved, he would have loved the multi-site model. He would have redeemed technology in a heartbeat. The church was started in around the year 50. 50 to 55 AD, the, the, the church at Philippi was started. About 10 years later, around 60, was when he wrote this letter from where? From a jail cell, absolutely, okay? 
Paul loved the Philippian church. As I said the very first week, it's, it's kind of how I feel about you. And I, I'm not just saying that because that's the thing to say. I mean, I, I say it often around here. I love this church. I, I love you. I am fond of this movement. I'm going to be here hopefully the next, I don't know, however long God gives me, right? I, I want to be here 40, 50 more years. I want to be the dude down front who doesn't need to preach anymore, right? Because he doesn't have anything else to say and everything he had to say, he's already said it. And he probably couldn't go 30 minutes anyway. So I got these young bucks, young women up on the stage, slinging it and bringing it. And I just want to be the dude that you have to roll down front, you know, that just sits here. I, I want to live, literally, I want to live in one place for the rest of my life. And I want to pastor one movement for the rest of my life. I love New Hope Church. And so I feel for this movement as Paul felt for the Philippian church. He was fond of that church. It was his favorite church of all the churches he started. He was fondly in love with them, and they made him so very proud. In week one, we talked about how the Philippian church started. Do you remember this? And it started with three conversions. And we started in Philippians 1, but we went back to Acts 16. Remember this? And the Philippian church was started with three conversions. Lydia, remember that? The, the demon-possessed servant woman, remember that? And then who? The jailer. That's right, you guys remember. So the Philippian church was started with conversion. In week two, we talked about understanding suffering. Listen, you, you're never going to really be able to understand this world and the suffering therein if you don't get a, a robust theology of suffering. And I got to tell you that I believe it's one of the areas that I think the church has dropped the ball. We sometimes want to make Christianity, you know, shiny. You know, want to make it sexy. Want to draw as many people as we can to it. And the truth is, man, this world is a suffering world and we live in it. And Jesus never promised us that we would be excluded from that. In fact, he said in the Sermon on the Mount, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So that week was on suffering. You can get all of these, by the way, in the resource center, or you can wait till the very end, and you can buy the whole packet. In week three, last week, oh, last week, last week we talked about the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every single person on the planet, everyone who has ever or ever will suck oxygen, Everyone, whether they want to or not, will bow at the name of Jesus. And Philippians 2, 5, and 11 says, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, 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 and last week and at all of our campuses, it got a little crazy up in here. I couldn't speak till Monday. It, I mean, till Wednesday. It was, it was absolutely crazy. Um, and then today, go to Philippians chapter 3. We're just, we're just plugging through the book. Plugging through the book. Philippians 3. Philippians 3. You ready for the word of the Lord? Say, bring it, pastor. Bring it, pastor. Start in verse 1 and 2. Philippians 3, 1 and 2. Further, your, some of your translations might say, Therefore. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. So Paul's like repeating himself. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Now, when you hear that, some of you have cute little pets. 
You have cutesy dogs. We have a little white Maltese. He is a sissy. His name is Buddy. When Paul is calling these people dogs, he's not referring to dogs like Buddy. Don't look at that through the 21st century lens. Dogs in the biblical times, they were like scavengers. They were stray. They were mean. What I'm trying to say is this is not a compliment. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, again, I hope you're taking notes in the margin of your Bible or somewhere or on your teaching notes. Grab your teaching notes, tear it out, take some notes. What's really, really important as we just jump into this today is realize that in Philippians 3, 1, when Paul says, says further, rejoice in the Lord, he's actually drawing your attention and my attention back to what we looked at last week. Therefore, Further, what he's saying is, listen, if you were here last Sunday, and if you weren't, literally, they, they say it might go down in the history books for, for a day that God just showed up and changed our church in, in so many ways. But what Paul is saying is, because of all of that, you got to remember, in, in, when the Bible was written, there weren't chapters and verses. It was just one continuous writing. So we have a tendency to separate it into chapters and verses. No, 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 no. Paul is writing from Philippians 2. He gets to Philippians 3, and he says, therefore, further, since he is the name that is above all names... Therefore, further, since he is the one that every single human being will bow down to and every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, therefore rejoice in the Lord. The word is saying to us that the first thing we need to remember is that we should be, come on, come on, come on, joyful people. Joyful people. And I can't spend too much time on this, but I just want to let you know this. Joy is a choice. Now, I understand. I want to be careful here. I understand depression. I understand chemical imbalances, and I would never make light of that. I understand therapy. I would never make light of that. I encourage that from time to time. But here's what I know that I know in in the midst of all of that. We can choose to be joyful. Not happenstance, not happy. There's a difference. But when you know Jesus and you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, when you know Jesus and you know that you know him, check it out, and we're going to talk about this later, he knows you. And when you know Jesus and you know that when you get to the end of this world and your life is coming to an end, you have no need to worry because you are going to a place called heaven where there will be rejoicing forever. This text, it really reminds us to be joyful. And then look at what he says uh, when he's talking about uh, these evildoers, these dogs. Because I want to be careful. Sometimes you'll hear people like me say that and you go, oh, he's just living in a fairy tale. Paul wasn't living in a fairy tale. Paul points out there were dogs and evildoers all around him. And let me just explain this real quickly. They were trying to get the early church to embrace an Old Testament method, or should I say practice, of circumcision. Oh, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I could talk to you about Old Testament passages where once they came into the faith and they came to, they would do circumcision as adults. Let, <laughs> let, let the men say ouch, ouch. Can I, can I, I, I got to tell this with y'all. I, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you this. I'm such an idiot. When, 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 I was, when I was 18 years old, I came to know the Lord. And I was really, really lost. And then I, I got really, really found. And so I didn't care anything about God, never knew about God. When, when God wrecked me with his grace, I just went crazy for Jesus. And I've never let off since. 
So I got into a church, and I found this great preacher who was preaching the word. And then uh, our youth group didn't have youth group on Sunday mornings. They had it in the afternoon. And so, but I wanted to go hear the word taught, and just Sunday worship wasn't enough. So I found this elderly little, and this is crazy. I found this elderly little uh, woman's, women's Sunday school class, an elderly women's Sunday school class. And they were sweet. They still send me cards to this day. I love precious elderly people. I think, I think we can learn so much from, from folks who've been here a lot longer than us. Amen. I mean, should, these, I love these women. They helped get me through seminary. I mean, they were just, they were precious saints of the Lord. And I, I'm sitting in there one day, and it's about 12 of us, 13 of us. I'm the, only, I'm the only dude in there. And I'm the only young dude in there. But I'm loving it. I'm being taught by these precious saints of the Lord. And, and, and one day, Miss Martha was teaching, and she started talking about circumcision. And I told you I'm an idiot. So I raised my hand. And I said, Miss Martha, what is circumcision? Now you haven't lived till you ask an 85-year-old woman. What is circumcision? I'm such an idiot. Because I really didn't know. I I missed that one in school somewhere. Mom and dad never told me about that, right? So I asked it, I knew. 20 seconds into her answer, it was not a good question. <laughs> she didn't answer it. Masterfully, she skirted it. But that's, that's what we're talking about here. Paul is saying to, the, to these people, you're trying to force my beloved church that they are to be saved by some human act, and I'm here letting them know that we are not saved by anything that we do, no religious obligations or duties. We are saved by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now, if you, yeah, you, you should clap for that, but no. absolutely, we are saved by faith. Here's the first thing I would remind you as we move toward the table of the Lord today, a sacred day in the life of the church when we have Holy Communion. If you're taking notes, write this down. Paul reminds us in Philippians 3 and Holy Communion reminds us to rejoice in the Lord. Like, I didn't say be happy because all of my circumstances are good. I didn't say be happy because, you know, I'm healthy today. I said Holy Communion reminds us to rejoice in who? In the Lord. We come to this table today and we celebrate the body and the blood, not of a dead corpse, but of a resurrected Christ who knows me and has my name written in the Lamb's book of life and has yours and has life and death. The Bible says he holds the keys to life and death. He holds it all. We rejoice in this sacrament today. St. Francis of Assisi, big fan of St. Francis. He said this about communion. Listen to this. This is beautiful. What wonderful majesty. What stupendous condescension. That's a mouthful. What stupendous condescension. Oh, sublime humility that the Lord of the whole universe, God and the Son of God, should humble himself like this under the form of a little bread and a cup of wine for our salvation. In this world, I cannot see the Most High Son of God with my own eyes except for His most holy blood and body. So listen to me. 
as we get ready to gather around the table of the Lord at all of our campuses, listen to me. Jesus is here in the receiving of a piece of bread and a cup of the fruit of the vine. Now listen, this is going to rock your world. Listen. He's been waiting for you at this table for 2,000 years. That's how sacred this is. So you meet at the table with your brothers and sisters and we rejoice in the Lord. Can I get an amen? Back to the text. Back to the text. Verse 3. Philippians 3, 3. For it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in the what? Don't put any confidence in anything that you do. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul starts upping you. You think you're good. I mean, you might be here, you, you, might be, you might be so godly that your mama, when she went into labor with you, went to the church and spit you out on the altar. And you came out, Jesus. And some pastor slapped you on the rear end and baptized you. And, I mean, you could be that godly. <laughs> and Paul says, I got something on you. Look at what he says. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, just like the duty and the obligation told them to. Of the people of who? Israel. Of the tribe of? Benjamin. That's my name. I love that name. Benjamin, right? Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, Pharisee, right? As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, what does he say? Faultless. And Paul says, all of those who are trying to get you to put credit or value on those things, who are trying to get you to rest on your laurels, trying to get you to boast, listen, in your successes, in your accolades, in your awards, in your degrees, in your earning power, in the square footage of your home. He, he says, of all of that, you put your hope and your faith in those things and you are as good as dead. But you put your hope and faith in Jesus. Somebody in the back just got excited about it. You put your hope and faith in Jesus. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, if, if Paul was here today, this would be like the kid, or maybe I describe you right now. So if I do, if the shoe fits, wear it. This would be like Paul saying, hey, on the eighth day of my life, I was taken to the church. I was dedicated. I learned all the Bible drills in, in, in church when I was a kid, and I won the Bible sword drills. How many of you did Bible sword drill? Your glory. Right? Never missed vacation Bible school? Got a little lapel pin for perfect attendance. And always did my chores at home. Made straight A's in school. Went to an Ivy League school for undergraduate. Did my graduate work. Did it all. And I want you to listen. This is what Paul says. Keep going into the text. Go to the next verse. But whatever were gains for me... (laughs) I now, what's the word? Because I want to camp out on this word. I what? Circle count. Please circle count. 
Or your Bible might say, I consider, but I believe count's a better word. I now count, listen, all of those things as what? If we could all leave here today doing that. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through Christ, through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, I consider all of my successes, all of my trophies, all of my accolades. He says, I consider them garbage. By the way, some translations of yours might say um, rubbish. Some translators get a little more bold. This is probably more in line with what Paul was saying since he was just talking about dogs. Paul says, I consider all of that. Listen, listen. Dung. Now, if you're so city-fied, you don't know what dung is. (laughs) You're about like I was when I didn't know about circumcision. Let's talk after church. We'll get along just fine. We'll connect. Paul says, listen, some of you are here And the thing you need to do today, can can I speak to you? The thing you need to do today is you need to learn to forget some stuff. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. All of those things are like garbage. Let me ask you a question. Seriously, I just want to just ask you a question. How do you compare your accolades, your successes, your businesses... Your degrees, your trophies, your possessions. How do you compare all of those things to knowing Christ Jesus? I just saw, I just saw some smiles break out on the faces. I think that's a good sign. How about you at the campuses? How do you compare your successes, your degrees, your accolades, what, your pedigree, your bloodline? How do you compare that to knowing Christ? It's a serious question. One that that God has worked me over many times again. Give you a little story. Can I take you into my office? Let me take you into my office. Just imagine we were having a meeting in my office. On one wall, I I have um, some awards, right? Degrees. Those kinds of things. When I started this church and we bought this land and I went into an office, not this office, but right down the road where we rented a space, I did what most of you would do. I started setting up my office and I started to hang that stuff. And the Lord just just worked me over. And basically, I could hear the still small voice asking, why would you put all of your stuff on the wall without first thinking about me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lying. I, I, I actually then dropped everything. I came out to this piece of land, and I found some wood from an old barn. And I constructed a cross. And then I had a friend of mine construct a crown of thorns. And I went back to the office. Let me just take you into my office. This is just kind of a personal testimony here. This is what Paul means when he says to start having the mind of Christ. I want to show you a picture of my wall. Oh, you can't hardly see that, can you? 
kind of hard. But you see those stupid degrees, right? But you know what Lord, the Lord has led me to do? I put a cross and a crown of thorns. I think there's one more picture of just the cross. That's from this land. And now every office that I have gone into since that office, the last thing I put on the wall are stupid awards. And the first thing I try to put on the wall is the cross of Christ. How, you know why? Because none of that stuff matters. Now, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying to, to pursue those things. But not, Paul, this is what Paul means when he says in other places, he talks about the spiritual mind. When you start to get the spiritual mind of Christ, you start to learn how to count your life. Remember I told you to circle that word count? Here's what count means. It comes from two Greek words, count. And to count means this. To count your life with the mind of Christ is to evaluate and assess. It's to what, church? Evaluate and assess. Here's my point. As you grow in Christ and you learn to rightly evaluate and assess your life, things in this life really don't matter. You start to prioritize. You start to, here's the word, you start to count and keep score of the right things. You start to prioritize and you start to understand that nothing, I said absolutely nothing, compares to knowing Jesus as your Lord. Nothing. Do, Do you have that mind of Christ? Paul might have read Socrates. Because Socrates said this, an unexamined life is not worth living. As we move toward the table today, what I'm asking every single one of us to do, me included, listen, is to count your life. To evaluate and assess your life. Holy communion reminds us to examine our lives. Last night, I'm doing what I normally do on Saturday night, right? Saturday night, usually I've coached some sport with the kids during Saturday, and I end up at a coffee shop on Saturdays. And I'm putting finishing touches and really just kind of looking at the message one more time. I'm sitting there last night, and I get an email telling me that a good friend of mine, I mean like a really, really good friend of mine who lives in Indianapolis, Jim Dunn. Jim Dunn's wife, and this was what the email said. It just said, hey, have you heard Mindy, Jim's wife, was just diagnosed with a massive tumor on her brain? Is this true? I stopped, I picked up my phone, and I texted them. And I said, bro, I don't know if this is true, but it comes from a good source. Is this true? I meant to bring my phone in here because I was going to read you the response back, but I can't remember it because it's so heavy on my heart right now. The text back said this. Mindy is going to be with Jesus soon. She has a tumor on her brain that is inoperable. We're at her bedside. Hospice has been called. 
told him I send my sincerest prayers and thoughts, but listen to me. I got up this morning, I just couldn't resist it. I checked on him and I said, bro, when did they find this? Three days ago. She's 44 years old. I hesitated to share that because I knew the weight that would fall on us. 44 years old, three young children diagnosed three days ago, and they called hospice. You better count your life. You better evaluate and assess your life. Now let me step back for just a moment. Last week, we got all excited up in here talking about the, the healing power of Jesus, right? Jesus can heal her. Jesus can heal. There's no doubt in my mind, Jesus can heal Mindy. Will he? I don't know. I don't know. Will I pray for it? Yes. But if you haven't figured it out, just because we pray for something, that doesn't mean that's what happens. Okay? So let's be real up in here, okay? Let's not be one of those churches that get all crazy. We pray and we believe, amen? But let me tell you something. There's suffering in this world. And sometimes he answers and struts his stuff. Sometimes he doesn't answer. Sometimes his answer to prayer is taking that beloved home. Because here's what's cool. The text that came back was, I think I said this earlier, she's going to be with Jesus soon. Did I say that? Yeah, yeah. The family's praying for it. But they know, Philippians 1, 6, this was a memory verse in the early week, to live is Christ. To die is what? Gain. You, you got to understand all this, but count your life. Assess your life. It can be here today, gone tomorrow. Holy communion, listen to me, reminds us to examine our lives. Back to the text. Here's our memory verse, Philippians 3, 10 through 14. Here we go. Let's read this out loud again. Ready? Go. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Now, that's a great verse of scripture right after telling that story. I want to know Christ. Do you really want to know Christ? Uh, it's easy to answer yes to that, so be careful. I mean, do you, with a lustful yearning, desire to know Christ? Paul says, I want, and I'm thinking, Paul, you know him. This is Paul. Of course he knows Jesus. He started churches. The greatest human being the case can be made to ever live, Right? Wrote most of the New Testament epistles. He says, I want to know Christ. Do you? Because this is where I'm landing today. I want to talk to you about desire. 
I want to talk to you about, I'm using this word intentionally, lustfully yearning to know Jesus. Bro, dude, you and me. Do you really want to know Jesus? And could you ever see yourself getting to the point of admitting it? Guys struggle with this sometimes. We try to put on the cool face, right? We'll go to church, yeah. Go to life groups. Since you're going to force me, I'll go. Right? Show up at church sometimes. You kind of sit there like that. What you got for me, pastor? What you got? Bring it on. Here's what I got for you. I didn't mean it to come off that way. Here's what I got for you. I got Jesus. And that's enough. Do you yearn for him? And could you ever see yourself being a man who your number one desire above everything was to know Jesus. Not, not know him in salvation. But know him. Not know him in justification when you're saved. But know him in sanctification. Know him as you pursue him. Know him more and more and more to get more and more and more of Jesus inside of you. And less and less and less of you inside of you. Do you know him? And then Paul, with great humility, says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I what? Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. So this is what so many of us need to do. Forgetting what is behind the garbage... The degrees, the pedigree, the successes, the accolades, your good looks, forgetting it all. I, look at what he says, forgetting what is behind me. And here's the key word, doing what? Straining, put in the word yearning there, yearning toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The most unbelievable gift you could embody, the greatest characteristic of a believer. I'm talking to the believers. If you're not a believer, man, we're glad you're here. Think about this stuff. But if you're a believer, listen to me. The greatest characteristic of the believer is an unquenchable desire to know Jesus. i got to say that again, and I really need everybody to hear this. If it's just you and me sitting in my office or sitting across the table having coffee together, and you said, hey, what is the greatest thing you would say to me? What is the greatest characteristic I should try to build into my life? Listen, here it is. I promise you this is it. An un quenchable desire to know Jesus. That's it. 
and forgetting all of the crap that the world says is important. I, I want to give you an analogy. Every, every day this week, maybe for the rest of your life, when you get in your car, when you get in your car, you have a big old honking windshield in front of you. And you have a little rearview mirror. I think that's a great reminder that we need to forget all of that behind us. Just give a little bit of that tension to what's behind you. But you look out at your life. You look at the future of your life. Listen, and you strain, you yearn to know Jesus, him crucified, to share in the sufferings of Christ and experience and share in the power of his resurrection. Do you know him? And I don't mean, again, are you saved? See, this is where I think the church has gone wrong. This is where I think we've messed this up. Because some of you are here, and you've gotten saved, and it just stopped right there. You, you, you got saved. You prayed the prayer. You're right, right. You bought the T-shirt. Right? You even got real godly, and you let me dunk you in the baptist, baptistry, right? You, you, you're, you're saved. And praise God for you being saved. But you have confused salvation with sanctification. Now, come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm about to tell your story. Here's your story. Here's, here's a lot of your stories because it's my story. I, I came to know Jesus October 23rd, 1988. Told you I was really, really lost. Lost as an Easter egg. God found me. I was really, really found, right? Really, really lost, really found. But I got saved, man. And I, you're not going to believe this. I kind of thought everything was going to change. And, and most of you know my story. Like, I was really messed up. Like, I, I, not just the drugs and the alcohol and the jail, but I was like, I was, I was just a jacked up individual. And I'm still pretty jacked up, which is why some of you come to this church. Because just from hearing me every week, you feel better about your life. <laughs> and if I can play that role for you, it's all good, beloved. It's all good. I'll do that. But I was really, really jacked up. And, you know, I, I, really, I really had a temper. I was in gangs. I fought all the time. And so... I, I accepted Christ, and I realized something pretty quickly, maybe three, six months in. I realized I, the, the temper never left me. I realized stupid, lustful thoughts never left me. I realized dysfunctionality. I had Jesus deep in my heart, right, as we sang in, in youth group as a kid. Deep in my heart. I am a C, 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 I am a C-H. I wonder how anybody ever accepted Christ in the 80s. <laughs> how? Man, it was awful. Anyway, um, where was I? Yeah, so, so, so I accepted Christ, man, and, and like, I thought my life was going to change. And some of you are saved, but you're still really jacked up. And the reason you're really jacked up is because you've never understood there's a difference between getting saved and being sanctified into the image of Jesus. There's a difference between kneeling at the foot of the cross and getting saved and actually like Paul pursuing him with everything that you have so that as you pursue him, listen to me, you become like him. 
And some of you, some of you, some of you, you gotten saved, man. And here's what you did when you got saved. Now, this was not my story. We might veer off of here. But here's what a lot of you did. You got saved and you start trying to clean up your act. Oh, I got saved. I can't cuss anymore. I got saved. I can't look at him anymore like that, right? I got saved. Oh, I can't cheat on my taxes anymore, right? Right? And here's what you did. You got saved and you started putting all your effort and all, your, yeah, all of your attention on stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. Trying to cuss no more is not going to help you cuss no more. <laughs> right? Trying to put on a Christian mask. Oh, this is your story. So many of you. You're like, Christianity wears you out because you're just wearing a mask all the time. You're just trying to clean up your act. You're just trying to be all churchy. Right? Right, right. That's not what changes you. What changes you is you don't focus on your taxes and your lust and your cussing and your cheating. You focus on Jesus. You pursue Jesus. And when you pursue Jesus, he starts to change you. Some of you, your focus has been on the wrong thing. That's why you're worn out on church. Hey, come on, come on. Church. If church is just playing church, count me out. Are you going, really? Did a pastor just say that? Yes. If we're not in here on Sundays and in life groups and in ministries pursuing Jesus... Like if he is not the center, when we're singing those songs, if all we're doing is singing those songs because the wife wants you to sing, or if all you're doing is just kind of singing the song because that's the thing to do, come on, beloved, there's better things to do on Sunday. Go play around the golf. Go to the lake. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Our attendance might take a big dip next week. Pastor told me to go play around the golf. Church is only as powerful and profound as Jesus is the center of our focus and our attention. It's all about Jesus. And great men historically and great men biblically have longed to know Jesus. Remember what David would say? I love David in the Old Testament. David, not Jesus, but was pursuing God. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Men, can you ever say this? Women, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Watch this. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. Listen to the lustful desire, the affection of Christ. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name. Lift up my hands. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Augustine, St. Augustine, or if you're in seminary around here, Augustine, right? Augustine said this, you, Lord God, are sweeter than all the pleasures this world has to offer. Do you see it? The greatest characteristic you could ever develop in your life is to deeply desire to know Jesus. 
Martin Luther said this, Oh, I wish to devote my mouth and my heart to you. Do not forsake me forever. I should be on my own. I would wreck it all. Anybody else in that boat? That's me. I was wrecking it all, right? And would if he ever left me today. Spurgeon, the great Spurgeon, right? I thank thee that this, which is a necessity of my new life, is also its greatest delight. So, do, so I do at this hour what? Feast on thee. John Owen, my, my favorite Puritan, by the way. If you like reading Puritan work. John Owen said this, Oh, to behold the glory of Christ. Herein would I live. Herein would I die. Herein would I dwell in my thoughts and affections until all things below become unto me a dead and deformed thing. No way suitable for affectionate embraces. Do you see it? And Paul, Paul would say, I want to know Christ. So men historically, men biblically, the greatest men and women on the planet for the kingdom have been men and women, listen, who develop an unquenchable desire, affection for Jesus. What about you? Like seriously, what about you? Do do you have that desire? Can you see yourself having that desire? Why don't we yearn with that kind of passion for Jesus? I love the tension in the room right now. And I bet it's at all of our campuses. I love it. Why do we settle for so much less than knowing Jesus? Two things. I could give you four, six. I had four. I, I, I'm cutting it down to two. Two reasons. Some of you are like, well, convince me why. Two reasons why you should yearn for Jesus. Two reasons. One, we yearn for Jesus to know him. I don't think that's in your teaching notes. Write that down under the last point. We yearn for Jesus to know him. He is eternal. Can I get an amen? And here's the cool thing about Jesus. Once you pursue him, once you desire to get to know him, listen, you will never tap that that source out. Have you guys noticed this? If If you yearn for Jesus, Jesus is eternal. He is God. And the moment you start to know him, guess what? There's still a lot left to be known. And the more you get to know him, guess what? The more you realize how much you need him. And the more you realize how much you need him, the more you want to know him. And the more you know him, the more you realize how much there is to need him. You see? Do you really know him? Don't get caught up in secondary pursuits. Do you know him? I just feel the Spirit saying, stop for just a moment. Do you know Him? Not do you go to church. Do you even care? 
Like, did you just get saved and dunked to get your ticket to heaven? Dude, are you indifferent? Are you indifferent to knowing him? If you're like, dude, this is all I, 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 all I want to do is go to church. I, 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 all I really want to do is come to church today. You go, you're getting all up in my stuff. Here's why I'm getting all up in your stuff, dear sir, dear ma'am. If you're indifferent to knowing him, hear me, please hear me. You should be very concerned. Because we're right back to Matthew 7. And in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord. Many will say to me on that day, Lord. And he will say to them, I never knew you. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? And if you don't, if you're indifferent, please, I want to tell you the truth. You should be very concerned. Like, really. And you should leave out of this place today headstrong into trying to figure out what works for you to stir your affection to Christ. What is it? Because we're all different. I can't give you my formula, right? I've spent 24 years following Jesus, deeply desiring to know him. So I know what puts me in the presence of Jesus. I know what it is that stirs my affection. Here's a weird one. Some of you are going to think I'm totally weird. And I am. I love to walk through cemeteries. I, I, and some of you are like, you are sick. I love to walk through cemeteries. I love to sit down by by tombstones and just kind of reflect. They remind me of my mortality. I love it. I love the great outdoors. I love to hunt and fish. Love to hunt and fish. They stir my affection for God. I love babies. Babies, babies, babies. Why do they ever have to grow up? I just looked at the clock. I got to wrap up. Some of you are like, I didn't know there was a clock. Some of you just went. I love babies. You come up to me with a baby, I'm going to probably hold your baby. You say, well, she might spit up on you. I don't care. I love babies. I love babies. I love to bury people. That's weird too. Maybe because it gets me in the cemetery. And it reminds me, listen, I'm going to die. worship music like feel it kind of music you know what I'm saying I mean like mm, I like mm. I want to feel it figure out what stirs your affection for Christ and stir it until it fans up inside of you an unquenchable desire and becomes a roaring flame to know Jesus. So we yearn for him to know him. That's the first one. Here's the second one. We yearn for Jesus. This is is so... Because we're just broken. We yearn for Jesus because we're broken. We need him. 
And the more, listen, the more I yearn to know him, guess what? The closer I get to his holiness and the closer I get to his holiness, the more I see my ugliness. And so therefore, the more I yearn for him, the more I see my ugliness. And therefore, it shows me that I need him even more. You're broken. I'm broken. I don't care how good you are. On your best day, you're broken. On your best day, you need Jesus. If he were to depart for you for even a second, you would be done. So at all of our campuses, I'm going to pray. And the worship teams are going to come out and the ushers are going to deliver to you a piece of bread. It represents the fact that Jesus' body was broken for you. And you're going to receive a cup, a cup of the fruit of the vine. That represents the blood that Jesus Christ shed for you. It's called Holy Communion. You might be totally de-churched, unchurched, never churched. This is a sacrament. Sacrament's a fancy word for means of grace. This is an act that Jesus said, listen... 2,000 years ago. Do this in remembrance of me. And at all of our campuses, the bands are going to come out and they're going to lead us in a song. Guess what it's called? Yearn. Yearn. And I want each of you to hold the elements. I want you to hold the piece of bread. And I want you to hold the cup. And I want you to think about what would it take for you to leave here today and say, you know what? I want to know Christ. Not I want to be saved. Most of you are saved. And if you're not, here's your opportunity. You accept Christ as you receive a piece of bread and a cup of juice. You just say, Lord Jesus, come into me. I am a sinner. I need you to be my Savior. Come into me and forgive me of my sins. You accept Christ right now. Everybody's invited at our table. Everybody. I don't care what tradition you came from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care your socioeconomic level. I don't care. If you want to know Christ and you will examine your life, you're invited at this table. And as these teams sing this song, hold those elements. Remember that today, Holy Communion reminds us to rejoice in the Lord. It reminds us to count our lives or examine our lives. Maybe you can look at that grape juice and maybe you catch a reflection of yourself. Count your life. What are you living for? And then forget the past. Strain. Yearn toward Jesus and get to know him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Father, I give you thanks. God, personally speaking, the greatest thing I've ever done, ever done, is to pursue you. Thank you that the more I pursued you, God, the more you've created in me this unquenchable desire to know you more. I pray that for my brothers and my sisters at all of our campuses. That as we hold these elements and 
And then I come back up and we receive together all at once. Create an unquenchable desire in us. Teach us from this day forward how to stir those lustful affections for you, Jesus. That we would be a church made up of men and women who deeply desire to know you. That we would be made up of men and women who who don't pursue secondary things. Those things might come, but number one, number one on our list every single day, from the moment we wake up to the moment we lay our head down at night, it is to know you, Jesus, more. Let it start in this mysterious receiving of bread and wine. Thank you for waiting for us here, God, for 200 centuries, waiting for us, drawing us to this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.